Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What is up guys? In this video, I'm going to be going through my top 30 running backs for week 13 of the NFL season. So just rankings for this one week. And while you guys are watching, if you're enjoying the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button. And if you're not subscribed, subscribe to the channel so you can continue seeing more content like this. But let's get right into it. I'm going to start it off at the bottom. So starting off here at number 30, I have Tevin Coleman. It looks like Coleman is going to be the RB1 with Michael Carter out. I was someone who thought Ty Johnson was going to take over that role, but it does look like it's going to be Coleman. Obviously, this is still going to be a committee, but if Coleman's leading it, you know, he's probably going to be like a mid-tier RB3 option. I don't really trust him in my lineups just because, you know, he may get the red zone touches, but is he going to be the leading receiving back every single game? Just not sure. At 29, I have Devin Singletary. He's kind of in a similar situation here. It's a full-on committee. You know, it looks like him and Matt Breida. We don't know if Zach Moss is going to be a healthy scratch again, but he's just one spot higher because this committee for the Bills is just going to be a little bit more profitable with more scoring opportunities. Then I've got Ramondre Stevenson here at 28. You can also see I have Damian Harris at 23. I do think this is also a committee here in the Patriots. They're facing off against the Bills. So a tough run defense and then tough just overall team to play against. You know, they may not have an early lead. They may not be able to rely on that run game. And neither of these running backs really are going to have the opportunity to be super involved in the receiving game because that is Brandon Bolden's role. I do expect Damian Harris to take the goal line carries. So that's why he's ahead of Ramondre Stevenson here. At 27, I have Boston Scott. We're really just starting out with a bunch of RBs and committees because his backmate, Miles Sanders, is up here at 21. I'll get to him a little bit later on. But if Jordan Howard does not play, I expect Boston Scott to be the number two there. At 26, I have Devonta Freeman, another committee, five straight guys here. But he's going to be sharing the load with Latavius Murray. I do think he's the RB1, but you know, you're going to be splitting touches with Lamar and Murray. Plus, this offense just has been struggling a little bit the last few games. So kind of a fringe running back too, but someone I'd feel more comfortable with having as like a high-end RB3 option. At 25, I have Tony Pollard. For all the Tony Pollard stands out there, it looked like he may be getting some starting opportunities. There were reports going around that Zeke was going to be rested. Maybe they sit him a few games, get him ready for the playoffs. It no longer looks like that is the case. It looks like, you know, he's going to manage it, maybe have slightly less workload, which is going to give more opportunities to Tony Pollard. But I still think Zeke is going to be the RB1. I think he's going to lead this team in touches. He's probably going to get the goal line work. Tony Pollard may see some more receiving action. So a borderline running back two. At 24, I have Melvin Gordon. And you can see his backmate, Javante Williams, at 22. I do have Williams two spots higher. Overall, I just think he's better with the ball in his hands. And I think he has a slightly higher ceiling on a week-to-week basis. But I mean, this is a 50-50 backfield. Honestly, it's been impressive, you know, how much this Broncos coaching staff has been able to keep it almost identical between these two players. In between them, I already talked about it, Damian Harris. So now we're moving on to number 21 with Miles Sanders. Already mentioned him, but this is a very favorable matchup here against the Jets. The Jets have allowed 31.2 half point PPR points per game to the running back position. They've given up the most points. So this is a fantastic matchup for these Eagles running backs. Sanders did deal with an ankle injury mid-game on Sunday, which is why he finished with less touches than Boston Scott. But it seems like he's recovering well and should be good to go on Sunday. 
And so even though this backfield is a committee, and I do tend to like to avoid committees, I think this is a matchup where multiple running backs can succeed, also including Jalen Hurts, because we know he gets it done on the ground. So I do think you can rely on Miles Sanders as like a back-end RB2 option. Now moving on to the top 20, we've got Jamal Williams starting it out here at number 20. And Dan Campbell came out, talked about DeAndre Swift, and he basically said, it's hard to say you could see him playing on Sunday. So I'm expecting Jamal Williams to be the RB1. Apparently it's also possible Swift misses multiple weeks. So we could, you know, get some value out of Jamal Williams here a few weeks in a row. And he's just going to step into that exact same role that DeAndre Swift had. We saw on Thanksgiving, Swift left. I think it was basically the first play of the second quarter. Jamal Williams finished that game with 15 carries, 65 yards, five targets, five receptions, 18 yards. And he was in on 74% of the snaps after Swift left. So he's going to be a very solid RB2 play, especially with that floor he's going to have now taking over Swift's receiving work. So I honestly do think he's a solid play to have in your lineup, either as an RB2 or a very, very solid flex option. I've got CEH here at number 19, just sort of a mid-tier RB2. He's going to be the RB1. Daryl Williams is still going to get some touches. Also, this Chiefs offense just hasn't been as productive as it has in previous years. So I do think that limits CEH's ceiling just a little bit, but I think he's going to be back and ready to go as a locked-in RB2. We've got Miles Gaskin here at number 18. He's honestly seen a very solid amount of touches on a weekly basis. I know some people are concerned with Philip Lindsay. Honestly, I'm not. Lindsay did get some touches and he may slide in as the RB2, but a lot of his touches on Sunday were in garbage time. It was when they already had the game locked up. Plus, I mean, like, I really just can't imagine Philip Lindsay is all that talented if he gets cut, you know, playing behind David Johnson and Rex Burkhead. So we may be the RB2 may still be getting touches, but I still think Gaskin is going to be that guy. Then at number 17, we have David Montgomery. And this one was kind of tough for me to rank him here because based on his opportunities, he should be much higher. I actually think he's leading all running backs in snap share over the last few weeks. The problem is this Bears offense is just not good. Those touches aren't efficient and he does not have a lot of touchdown upside. At 16, I have Josh Jacobs. He's honestly been playing much better than I thought you know, coming into the season. Originally, he was very touchdown dependent, but this season he has definitely seen an increase in his receiving work that hasn't gone, you know, primarily to Kenyon Drake, like I think myself and a lot of other people expected. So a very solid RB2 play. 15, I have Saquon Barkley. This one's tough because we know how talented he is. He's really just not putting up solid numbers since returning from his injury. You know, he should continue to get better and better. He just doesn't have a lot of support around him. This offense is not going to be scoring a lot of points. The offensive line is not good. So it's going to be tough, but the talent keeps him as like a high-end RB2. After him, I have Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to be playing tonight against the Saints. That's a tough matchup against a very solid run defense. Like I mentioned for Tony Pollard, I still think Zeke is going to get the goal on carries, but he's probably going to have his overall touches reduced as he deals with that knee injury. So not quite an RB1, but a high-end RB2. After him, I have Antonio Gibson, and a lot of this is going to depend on J.D. McKissick's status. He is currently in concussion protocol. He got carted off the field, did not look good. He ended up tweeting, you know, saying like, I'm all good, but that doesn't mean he's going to be good to go in week 13. If J.D. McKissick is out, I could totally make an argument for jumping him above James Robinson and Daryl Henderson. 
honestly, maybe even Alvin Kamara, but we're probably not going to know about that, you know, before Alvin Kamara plays tonight. For Gibson, though, if McKissick is out, that receiving work just falls right onto him, and we know he can handle it. He was basically a wide receiver in college, so that'd be great news for Gibson owners. If McKissick, you know, is good to go, he's going to stay in this 13 range. They've been force feeding him the ball on the ground and actually showed, you know, initiative getting him the ball in space. Hopefully he can just start capitalizing on those touchdowns. We saw McKissick get in twice on Monday, which was tough, but still, you know, those are going to correct his way. Number 12, we've got James Robinson, full-time workhorse on just a terrible offense, but he continues to put together numbers. At 11, we have Daryl Henderson going up against the Jaguars. This is a very solid matchup for him. They should go up early and should be able to run out the clock with Daryl Henderson. So a really nice overall matchup for him. Then we've got the top 10 here, and I'm starting it off with Alvin Kamara. This one's tough because he's currently questionable. You know, if he plays, he's going to be a lock in your lineups. If he does not play, and it's Mark Ingram, I think Ingram probably slots in, you know, somewhere between like RB17 and RB20 in that range from like David Montgomery to Jamal Williams. One unfortunate piece of news for Kamara is that it does look like Taysom Hill is going to be the starter, which could mean some of his goal line carries get vultured. So that is why he's coming in here at number 10 instead of where you'd normally see him as like a high-end RB1 play. At number nine, we've got James Conner. There's been no sign that Chase Edmonds is going to be coming off of IR this week. So once again, we get another week of James Conner as the workhorse. Man is a monster, gets into the end zone a ton. And now with that receiving work from Chase Edmonds' role, he just continues to be a locked-in RB1. At number eight, I have Cordero Patterson. And I will totally admit, I've been low on Patterson this entire year in terms of my weekly rankings, in terms of my rest-of-season rankings. I seem to have been undervaluing him every single week. And it's just tough to accept that someone who's done basically nothing as an offensive player his entire career can now just step in and be like a mid-tier RB1 ahead of proven assets like Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, but that is what Cordero Patterson has done. You can even argue him higher in future weeks. He does come in here at number eight because he is going up against a tough Buccaneers run defense, but the good thing for Patterson is he's so versatile. He can put together, you know, RB1 production just through the air, so a mid-tier RB1 option. And number seven, we've got Elijah Mitchell, just the complete workhorse for the 49ers. It's crazy how he went from being a waiver wire pickup to someone who's just dominant in a backfield, playing for a coach who everyone thought, you know, always wanted to use a committee. And we have Debo Samuel likely out for this game. Debo was starting to work in out of the backfield and obviously was still, you know, getting a fair amount of targets. So Elijah Mitchell is going to have that role locked down and could see even more opportunities in the receiving game. We've got Leonard Fournette here at number six. I've been hyping Leonard up almost all season long. Finally, good to see him just have a absolutely monster game with four touchdowns. I think he's going to be, you know, in this mid-tier RB1 range rest of season. They've got a matchup against the Falcons. I'm expecting them to put up a lot of points. Gives Leonard Fournette good opportunities to get into the end zone. At number five, it's going to be Najee Harris. The man just gets an absurd amount of volume. There's obviously going to be down games, you know, when the Steelers offense struggles, but then he's going to come back the next week and just get into the end zone you know, get a ton of overall scrimmage yards and finish as a really solid RB1. Then at number four, I actually have Alexander Madison. And this may be surprising because it's very rare that you see like a backup handcuff running back come in and be ranked so high. But most of you guys know Dalvin Cook is likely out this week. 
which leaves Madison as the RB1. And so far this season, Alexander Madison has started two games with Dalvin Cook out. The first one was in week three. We saw Alexander Madison carry the ball 26 times for 112 rushing yards, six receptions for 59 receiving yards. That totals 23.1 PPR points. So that is 20 plus points without even getting into the end zone. Then week five was the second game, 25 carries, 113 rushing yards, seven receptions for 40 yards and a receiving touchdown. That was 26.3 PPR points. So two monster performances. He literally just gets the same workload translated to him that would have gone to Delvin Cook. So I think he's a locked in mid to high end RB1 this week. And if you have him, he should be a lock in your lineup. You know, I see a lot of questions with Alexander Madison as a start or a sit. Unless you have like multiple of these top tier running backs, you should always be starting Madison this week. Then at number three, we've got my guy, Joe Mixon, continues to put together monster games. He has another nice matchup this week against the Chargers, so I could totally see another big outing out of him. High-end RB1 rest of season. Number two, we've got Austin Eckler. The man just continues to perform. One of the best dual threat running backs in the NFL. And number one, this should come as no surprise, Jonathan Taylor. The man is just killing fantasy football this year. Absolute league winner. If you were able to scoop him up as like a late first, early second round pick. And that is going to wrap it up for my top 30 running backs this week. If you guys enjoyed this video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Go check out all my other weekly rankings, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. Those are all going to be coming out today. But thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.